Beam Babe. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, where we are all about honoring your truth, prioritizing your passions, and unlocking your potential. Let's go. I'm your host, Caitlin, and it's my calling in life to create this community of like-minded, kick-ass women ready to make moves and live a life they are obsessed with. So if you're ready to be everything and more, babe, let's get this party started. Hey, babe. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I think you're going to love this week's guest, Samantha Perkins, because not only is she such an authentic, genuine human being, but she is such a talented writer and so passionate about helping moms really explore what the journey would look like for them being alcohol free. Now I know what you're thinking. If you're like me, we've been raised in a culture of mom juice or wine night out with the girls. And the thought of giving that up could just be pure anxiety and would want to make you turn this episode off. But I challenge you to hear what Samantha has to say and how going alcohol-free has completely changed her life and so many of the moms that she has built in her community. Samantha is an author and her book is Alive AF, One Anxious Mom's Journey to Becoming Alcohol-Free. Samantha is passionate about sharing her anxiety remedies and universal truths she has discovered about living without alcohol. She has always loved writing and chronicles her life on the blog, Alive AF, which stands for Alcohol Free, which inspired her latest book. She is especially interested in uncovering the role that alcohol plays in our everyday lives, in everything from parenting, mental health, relationships, and career choices. Samantha hosts wellness retreats, leads an online sober book club, and helps women, especially mothers, rethink their relationship with alcohol. So if you're ready, babe, let's dive right in. Hey, Samantha, how you doing, girl? I'm so excited you're here today. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is something I've been looking forward to for a long time, so I'm super pumped. Yeah, long time no see, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) For those of you uh, that, you know, haven't been following either one of us on Instagram, we both just got back from the show up summit in Louisville, Kentucky, and we had a great time, but we finally got to meet in person. So that was, it was, it's always so great when you have this virtual connection and then you're like, oh my God, here you are. (laughs) It's so cool. It's one of like the things about social media that is a positive thing. Like when you can find people and actually meet. So it's awesome. My biggest thing that I always I always have to say, I think I told you this when we met, I'm always thrown off by how tall or short somebody is. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. You're like, all we see is like the chest up. So, you know, we don't know like how long someone's legs are or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's catches me off guard sometimes, but you're exactly everything and more that I thought you would be. And I just know I'm inspired by your story. And I know with so many moms that are in the beam life community and even not moms, those women who are faced with just corporate pressures or just normal anxiety of life, they're going to get so much from you and your book. And I'm just thrilled to have you here. So before we get into, you know, all about your book and how this all came to be, I'd love for you to share like a little backstory about, you know, who are you? Who's Samantha Perkins? Yes. Um, that's such a, 
Interesting question. And it seems like it's a hard one to answer sometimes because, totally. you know, you just want to go right into, um, I guess your credentials or what your job is. And so, um, you know, I think I'm an anxious entrepreneur <laughs> who is, um, you know, slogging through every day, just trying to do the best that I can. Um, I'm an author. I'm a mom of two kids, I'm a wife. I live in um, Louisville, Kentucky. And so um, I am just kind of redefining myself over the last few years. And so um, right now in this moment, I guess I'm just, you know, someone who is inspired and motivated to try to live her best beam life, you know? Yes. Yes. And you do, and you do it so well. And I know I've got, you know, different varieties of anxiety that show up for me a lot of the times. And, um, I've got anxiety that runs strong in my family and around me. And it's such a debilitating thing, but when you can learn how to harness it and use it sort of as like a, a gift or a superpower and really realize that we're all anxious about different things, mm -hmm. um, it's really cool. And I, I, I resonated that so much throughout your story and your book. And I'm like, okay, we're not alone. We all do have these feelings of uncertainty and overwhelmness and, and, and being a mom for me was one of the biggest revelations, uh, of the unknown because <laughs> for sure we really don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> no. And there's no planning and everything that you want to, you know, all the great plans just go out the window. So it's just definitely a hard thing when you're an anxious person. Anyway, now you're not just worrying about yourself, but now these other humans as well. And so it's a whole totally. new bag of tricks. <laughs> totally. So you came out with your book, a live AF in 2020. Yeah. Uh, this year, 2021, January 21. 1st, it came. Yep. I couldn't remember if it was end of 2020 or beginning 2021. So yes, January, right. January, February, 2021. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about your book and like what inspired you to write it. Okay. Yeah. So I basically I've had anxiety my whole life and I have tried every single intervention possible to try to heal myself. Um, meanwhile, I kind of found some solace in drinking. And so I would, you know, spend all day amped up and feeling anxious. And I would look forward to the time at five o'clock that would come when I could numb away some of this and, you know, not worry, um, you know, let go of some of the worry, let go of some of the responsibilities that came with parenting. And so I just, kind of got into this routine of, you know, dealing with my anxiety best I could during the day, just living for being able to numb it away for a little while in the evenings or at night with alcohol. And, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like an extreme alcoholic, you know, I was able to go to work and take care of my kids. And I, you know, didn't, I wasn't, you know, withdrawing from alcohol. If I had to go a day or two without it, if I got sick or something, I didn't drink it, no big deal. Um, but it became my number one coping tool to anxiety and yeah. it, it just was not working very well. Um, yeah. So I kind of started, um, I've started doing some exploring and I stopped drinking and, um, I realized very quickly that alcohol was having a huge impact on my anxiety. Not only was it, you know, um, not 
curing it, but it was making it worse, way worse. And so I started kind of writing about it on a blog and, um, I kind of put it out there on social media to the world that, you know, I've stopped drinking and I'm living this kind of alcohol free life, which is what the AF stands for, you know? Yeah. Um, but I feel so much better and I kind of was like, and I want everybody to know about this because I had no idea that, you know, the correlation between alcohol and my brain and mental health. Um, and so I was inspired to write a book because I was like, I've got to tell the people they need to know. Um, and as soon as I started like coming out with my story, people were, I mean, so many moms from my kids' preschool, you know, so many people who were kind of in the same area as me in life, just so bogged down with the kids and the responsibility of parenthood and just, you know, we thought we did all the right things. We, you know, you know, I got the degree, I got a job, I made enough money. I had us, you know, got married, had kids and here I am just yes. still just feeling so low. Um, and, and also really guilty and anxious about that because what's wrong with my life. It's perfect. You know, I mean, why right. am I complaining? Um, which just sent me even further down, you know, into the darkness. And so that's kind of what inspired the writing. That's a lot to unpack and write on paper. And I admire it so much because I think, you know, it's, it's crazy through Launchpad, which is kind of like our common thread. I have really been introduced in a different way to the world of sobriety, because I talked about this with our friend JD on the podcast she was on, where we have such a misconception of what it is to be, um, an addict, right. And like you described perfectly, it's not like you're withdrawing from alcohol. You didn't have these addictive tendencies. So it's like many people would be like, well, then why do you have to be sober? You know, you're not this like falling over drunk. You're not getting DUIs, you know, all of these things. So it's like, are you really an alcoholic? And it's, I think it's so much less about how we define ourselves and more about like, what is it actually doing for us and how is it making us feel? Um, and you recognized something that I think a lot of people don't, and that's that alcohol isn't always your friend and usually right. never your friend. Um, <laughs> and you realized the effect it was having on something that like anxiety and depression already are difficult to fight completely sober. And then you have mm. this, you know, drug on top of it. Um, And it's hard. It it creates for this inner struggle and this inner battle. So I love that you, you know, came to that realization. And then not only did you didn't keep it to yourself, you shared it with everyone. And then you had all these people being like, Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that was the most interesting thing. Like first it was just so, um, I, you know, growing up, I didn't know, I thought you were either an alcoholic or you're having a great time with alcohol. You know? totally. And so I thought there was something majorly wrong with me. And I just wrangled with this for so long because I couldn't find my place with this. You know, I, I, I there were times when I wished that I could get a D, you know, not a DUI. I didn't want to harm anyone, but like, I wish yes. that I could have said to people, I got a DUI. I have to stop drinking now because I really wanted out of it, but I couldn't figure out the words to explain to people why it wasn't working for me anymore. Um, and so when I did start telling people and then they were like, me too, of course it was like super validating. And I felt so um, embraced and not alone anymore because I just assumed I'm the only person in the whole world 
who has ever experienced this problem. (laughs) So therefore I must figure it out on my own, you know, and trudge through the darkness without any help. And so once I discovered like the correlation and realized like how freeing it was for me to not drink anymore. Yeah. I just really wanted other people to know and to try to break down the barriers between, you know, alcoholic and, you know, fun, casual drinker, because there's a lot of people in the middle, a lot of people in the middle. Yeah. I would even classify myself as one of those people in the Mm -hmm. middle. Um, and they'll go, I'll go through dry periods and I'm like, Oh, just going to be social with it. And then I, you know, do it a couple of days in a row. And then I realize, why do I, you know, it's this constant inner struggle. So I totally, uh, resonate with the middle and I come from a family where alcoholism runs deep. So I always have that, like, I don't want to go that far, right? but, but I can do it at parties. So I totally Mm -hmm. get that. What does it feel like for you to be this, you know, I'm author of a best-selling book, have all your content out there. Like I, it's like a, I know it's like a dream for me to want to get there. And it takes a lot of vulnerability, a lot of courage, a lot of bravery, a lot of guts. So what does that feel like for you? It's so funny because as you know, working kind of in the, in the field of writing, you know, I finished writing the word kind of a long time before I published the book, because then I went through editing and then I'm working on like the cover design and all these little pieces. So by the time the book was published, I'd kind of forgotten all of the heart that I'd poured into it. And so on the day that the book came out, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, did I really write this shit? for everybody to read, you know, so I had this horrible, like vulnerability hangover, you know, and I just was the day that the book came out. And for several days after, of course, it was like the dead of winter and it's a hard time for me anyway. Um, But I just really felt so insecure and embarrassed. And like, I cannot believe I told everybody this story, but you know, every time somebody reaches out to me and thanks me or who read the book and they say that it's helped them. And again, I think I really speak to a whole sector of people that are kind of, you know, not addressed in the, the world of alcoholism and substances and all of those things. So like when these moms could read this and be like, Oh my gosh, I feel the same way, you know, and I get an email or a text or whatever, then every time I would build up, you know, some more confidence and feel like I could continue to share. Um, but it's not easy, you know, and it is just so such a vulnerable position. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, um, like juxtaposition, a lot of opposition around this topic. And a lot of it, I find it's that it's people trying to like self validate where they fall into it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, if they're talking to you, they almost feel like they need to justify why they're drinking. And, you know, so then you've got that. And then you've got people who are like, well, you know, in terms of like, well, they went through this addiction. Do you really fall into that category? And so it's really interesting how all of this, um, sobriety has like, sort of like its own little pockets and umbrellas. And it's just a really, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an interesting place to be. So I think it's great that you just decided to pull the trigger and do it. Yeah. And I will say like, I feel like I'm 100% misunderstood most of the time. I mean, people kind of, they put me in the box regarding how they feel about alcohol, just like what you said. So like, if they, if they know an alcoholic, they're like, oh, she must be an alcoholic or, you know, or they compare my drinking to their drinking. And I know this because it's exactly what I did the entire time. Anytime I saw someone who wasn't a drinker, I compared mine to theirs, you know, and I would decide 
how bad my drinking was based on whatever they had experienced, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's why, so I just kind of have let that go. You know, I, I know that people are maybe going to misunderstand it and I'm okay with that, you know? Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned throughout therapy is that being misunderstood is totally freaking fine. And (laughs) it's okay. Um, what has been one of the most challenging and then on the other side, rewarding parts of this whole, um, journey for you? Um, that's a great question. Well, you know, I used alcohol to cope with anxiety. So when I stopped drinking, the biggest challenge was just being with myself and it was just mm. awful. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean, what do I do with all of this? And for so long, I've been able to find like the quickest fix to get rid of it. And I, you know, I say this every single time I talk to somebody, there is no, you know, as much healing as I've done and all of the things that I have in place that keep me afloat, there is nothing, no downward dog or meditation practice that is going to relieve me the way that alcohol did as fast and as quick, you know? Um, but so that's been the most challenging part is to find other healthy coping skills and to be patient enough to like, let them work, you know? Um, but then the the reward for that is just huge. You know, I mean, my anxiety has, I mean, it's, it's in a manageable place. I still am very, I'm an anxious person. I have an anxiety disorder. I'm always going to have it, but it's no longer accelerated by the chemicals from alcohol. And so mm-hmm. I can barely even remember what it felt like to wake up in those days and just, I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I was wallowing around just feeling so anxious about what I may have said the night before or how people you know, were going to perceive me or how I was going to make it through the day, you know? those anxiety is what the people and the, the, they call it. And, you know, I don't just the fact that I never have to experience that again is so freeing. Um, and so that's, you know, just a huge reward to me is that I don't, I I don't make myself sick anymore. (laughs) You know, I can, I really, you know, I can manage, um, for sure, but it was a challenge learning and being patient enough with myself and having to ask for a lot of help in order to get there for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to get, um, like resonate with those feelings of those anxieties and those moments of it's, it blows my mind how alcohol can really create those like, um, memory, short-term memory loss situations Mm -hmm. from the evening before you're like, wait, did I talk to this person? And did Mm -hmm. I tell them this? Like, but I don't want to call and ask them or apologize because that's weird and makes everything awkward. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And you know, when I wasn't drunk, I'm a type a perfectionist, you know, like all buttoned up and, you know, I'm doing it right. (laughs) So the fact that I had like let myself go and then I couldn't even remember exactly. It was just, it was paralyzing, you know, and most of it I made up, I made it all up in my head because, you know, I mean, everything was always fine, you know, but it, it definitely, um, is something that I'm just so glad I don't have to deal with anymore. Yes. Ah, hence the AF is just literally alcohol free, but also feeling freaking free, you know? Yes, exactly. Um, that's such a great relief. Um, I know that one of your big focuses are helping moms and, and coping with that. And I know that alcohol in general is a big part of a lot of cultures, whether it's celebrating something, you know, the happy hours after work, but where I really notice it is when I became a mom, it's all about the mom juice. And, um, we're going to need a a wine night out with moms and all of this stuff. So it's, it's very targeted at 
moms and women. And I know the alcohol industry in general really pegs women, um, just from things I've read and research I've done and other books I've read. So what, how does alcohol really from the research you've done and your personal experience, how is alcohol industry really targeting moms? And why do you think it's such a big part of our, um, you know, mom culture, will you say? Yeah. I love the talking about this because yeah, it's kind of like, I never heard it or saw it or was aware of it until after I stepped away. And now I'm just, it's, it's mind blowing how often it's just kind of inundated in our culture and on our social media feeds and in conversations just about how alcohol is like the thing that we do as moms. And so I'll, I'll answer the second part first. I I think of course in my research and like my just desire to want to know why I think part of it is the burden of motherhood and the way that we do it in this culture is just so hard. I mean, it's just, we're isolated. We're scared. We're, you know, we're have all of these messages about how to raise kids, but none of them, you know, we're doing it alone and not in communities. And I think that it's just, it's really hard or hard for us. You know, the childcare situation, the work, just the load in general is so high. Yeah. Um, so that's the first reason why I think we're so overburdened, um, that we're just looking for release. Um, and then secondly, it's kind of like this thing that we can all, have in common, you know, like everybody has a different parenting style, but it's like, yeah, we can all still drink wine together. <laughs> you know, I don't I've never thought about it that way, but yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's like, if you drink, feed organic or, you know, whatever, if you eat McDonald's, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we can all come together and drink wine and totally. mom is mom, you know? And so totally. I think it's kind of like, it's an icebreaker, you know, for these, for people who need to like find this community because moms need moms to help each other parent, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that that has so much to do with it. And I honestly think the alcohol companies, they have it easy because we, we do the marketing, we market to each other. They don't even have to sell it. We sell yeah. it. You know, if you just scroll through your Instagram, you'll see memes, you know, they wine, I wine and, you know, t-shirts. And as soon as I walk into target, the first thing I see there is racks of wine and then followed by t-shirts that say, you know, it's wine o'clock or, you know, just some sort of wine parenting joke. And so, um, I think it's just, it's just become so inundated. We don't even see it anymore. I went into a store recently and it was like a cute little craft store and they had these little wooden signs and they had 50 wooden signs on the wall and 30 of them referenced alcohol, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just these like slogans. And no alcohol company is making money off of that. And no. it's just like, this is it, you know, yes. this is what we do. Exactly. And so I think that we're just not even aware how much we're being marketed to, you know, I think it's just yes. so in our brains. And, you know, I have these conversations because I meet new moms and it's super awkward because of course they don't know that I'm, you know, written a book or that I would talk about this. And of course the first thing they say is like, we should grab a drink sometime. Yes. (laughs) And of course I want to grab a drink, but I just don't, I would prefer it be a sparkly, whatever, and and not alcoholic, you know? Um, but I think that it is just kind of a way to meet new people and to maybe, you know, make new mom friends and those kinds of things. Totally, totally, totally. And it's funny because my next like thought and question for you, because this has happened to me, I think that being sober and also not being sober, both sides come with what I feel like is judgment. Mm. Um, 
So it's interesting. And I want to know a little bit about when you first, I'm sure now a majority, like you said, you'll still meet new people, but a majority of the people in your life, obviously know you're now have chosen this alcohol-free lifestyle. And it's no longer this like probably big barrier that you have to talk about, but I know there's been like times where I'm like, all right, I'm not going to drink, not going to do this five days later. Someone's like, Hey, we're having a girl's night. Come over. And I'm like, I'll just have two glasses of wine. It'll be fine. And while I only have two glasses of wine, it's still like, well, why, why did I feel like I needed to participate? Why couldn't I have just said, I'm good. I'm just going to have water tonight, or I'll, I'll have a LaCroix or whatever. So I feel like there's judgment there. And I know that's on self. Right. But then I feel like other people are like, well, why are you not drinking? Like, do you all of a sudden think like you're going to live this healthy lifestyle and you're too good for us and blah, blah, blah. So did you experience judgment? Cause maybe that hasn't been your experience. I don't want to put that on you. So what did you experience when this journey first began for you? And what, um, how did you overcome some of those things? That is so great that you asked this question because <laughs> you're right. Like the judgment on both sides. I mean, yes. Well, first of all, I just assumed that if I decided to do this, because everyone that I knew drank, you know, that yeah. I would have to dig a hole in my front yard and just jump, lay in it and die. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds dramatic, but it's how I felt. I mean, I totally. was like, I'll have nobody in my life that will want to be around me if I stop drinking, because how do you go from being from drinking with your friends to being like, Oh, that's not cool anymore, you know, totally. without, without them feeling judged, you know? Um, but luckily I, my close friends were so, um, understanding and kind and everybody knew that I had anxiety and luckily I could lean on that a lot, you know, that I'm just trying yes. something new for my anxiety and, um, you know, but it bugs me because, you know, if you're at a party and someone, you tell someone that you're vegan, everybody's like, okay, whatever. She's vegan. Like, you know, who cares? And, but you're right with the alcohol, there is kind of this, you do feel this pressure. Like if I don't drink, are they going to think I'm pregnant or whatever, you know? And totally. Yeah. So much of this that comes up. And I would like rehearse things that I would say to people when I got to the party that, you know, like make up excuses. And I ended up just making it so much more complicated. And honestly, I just, it's still awkward and there's still judgment. And I just try to be so like, um, you know, I don't, I'm a people pleaser. So I didn't want people to feel uncomfortable. I'm like, you can drink. I, I love it that you drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but so I just try to, keep it simple. And the more I've practiced, the more, you know, the more confidence I have for that, you know, and the less fear I have of judgment. So it's just time is the only thing that heals that it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you put that it's time is that it's not necessarily going to get easier. And I also feel like people who maybe don't support you are not really the best people you should have in your life anyways. So, um, with any decisions we make alcohol or otherwise, you know, where it's like, really, if someone, and I always tell people when you make decisions and if you're really, truly being questioned, um, cause sometimes we make the questioning up in our brain. Like we just talked about how nobody actually cares, but (laughs) we make it that they do. Um, but if someone really does, then it's, I'm always telling, you know, as a coach and everything, I'm like, well, maybe we should reevaluate those relationships because, you know, someone who's truly, um, in it to support you and love on you is going to understand and come at it with compassion and kindness, like you experienced. So I think it's important to remember that. Yeah. And I think people do, like, I just read an article recently and I got some 
bad feedback from someone. And, you know, I think the feedback when I read it, you know, I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't mean to hurt this person's feelings. But at the same time, I could tell that the person they felt maybe insecure with their own drinking, you know? And so they're projecting back onto me, like, it must be your problem because I don't want to address my own problem. And, you know, I, I know that's true when I'm judging people, it's because they're bringing up something in me that I'm still very insecure about. Um, yeah. So I just try to keep that in mind and know that everybody is wrangling, you know, with their own demons and that if, if they feel offended, it probably has more to do with their relationship with alcohol or their family history. There's so many factors. Yeah. I, um, I love all of that. And I so relate to it on so many levels because it's, like I said, it runs in my family. Um, it's been stronger parts of my life. And then there's other parts, like I said, I'm like, I'm just done with this for a little while. So it's definitely in my DNA and my relationship goes in and out and I explore different things. But I, I love the fact that when we do meet someone, whether it's about alcohol or anything else, it's usually a mirror or reflection about where we're at with that thing in our journeys. And, and it's so important to be like, okay, what's coming up for me? Why is this an issue? Why am I feeling judged? Um, so good point. What other things when you were kind of getting all the words on paper and deciding to put this out there, did you do any research or read anything that kind of contributed to your thoughts, how you're like, okay, well, I know this is how I feel when I don't drink alcohol, but is there any like stats or science or research or marketing that you found important to, to share? Yes. I think, you know, when I wanted drinking to be okay, you know, I would spend a lot of time Googling, like, am I an alcoholic? And so all these things would come up that I didn't necessarily qualify for, you know, I hadn't lost my job. I didn't get DUI, you know, all these things. Um, and so I never asked the question or Googled or looked into like, what is alcohol and how does it affect your body? You know, why do I throw up sometimes and have a horrible headache and have to lay in bed or not be able to open my eyes after drinking it? Um, and so I think for me, I read some books that had a lot of science and information on what alcohol does to your body. And that is when things changed for me, because then I was like, wait a second, I wouldn't, you know, if you handed me something and said, here, this is going to make you, you know, dysregulate your hormones and it's going to, you know, it's not, you won't be able to sleep very well at night and tomorrow you're going to have a slight headache. I would be like, no, thank you. You know, anybody would, when you think about it in that way but because we're sold as alcohol being just super fun and, you know, so, um, you know, relaxing and that's what we do when we're stressed out and it's what we do to celebrate, you know, we we forget about what the kind of, nobody ever talks about the science behind it. And so I think for me, the the biggest thing was just the impact that alcohol has on the brain and mental health. It's no um, secret that alcohol is a depressant. When you drink it, it dysregulates your hormones. Um, dysregulates the chemicals in your brain, making, if you have a predisposition to depression and anxiety, it's going to make that worse. I mean, there's so many studies out there that, you know, confirm that. Um, so I just never really thought of it that way, like that it was going to alter what was already really bad. Um, and then secondly, it's so addictive. It's very, um, it's, it's kills more people than, than other drugs, which I did not know. Crazy. I, I, right. You know, I thought like, Oh, alcohol is fine. It's legal, you know, right. Like yeah. marijuana is yeah. not legal. And, 
but alcohol is, so it must be safe. Well, it's just not really true. It's, it's super, super addictive. Um, it's really hard for people to stop drinking. And if you've had anybody in your life that, you know, that couldn't come off of it, it's, it's because it's yeah. so, so very strong once it gets a hold of someone. Um, and I was just really surprised by those stats. Um, and then just other things like your sleep and your, um, hormones. And, um, another thing is when women drink it metabolizes differently in their body. And they're still kind of coming up with the research on that because a lot of women don't want to openly talk about their alcohol use and then get it studied, you know, but most studies were always done on men. And so again, like we're just finding out that, you know, it can lead, it has a different impact on women. It can cause breast cancer. You know, if, if you have that genetic makeup, it can really accelerate that. And so it's just all of these things that I didn't, wasn't aware of, um, just about the, chemically that I found fascinating. Hey, Bean Babe, I'm sorry to interrupt this super juicy episode. I know you're soaking up every second of it, but before we get back to it, I want to make sure that you're part of the free Beam Life text community. It's super simple. All you have to do is text me BEAM to 323-673-2709. That's it. Just text me the word BEAM to 323-673-2709. After that, I'll be able to send you pump-up texts throughout the week to keep you motivated and truly feel unstoppable. It's also a place where you can send me podcast requests. We can talk back and forth. It's not just a one-way street. And my favorite thing is I get to actually connect with you off of the podcast, off of social media, and it's just me and you being able to uh, hash things out wherever you need support. So I look forward to hearing from you. Text me BEAM 323-673-2709. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I read this recent study. Um, not recent. It was on a podcast. I'm trying to remember which one it was. And I was like blown away because sleep already for me is very difficult. Um, once I sleep, I sleep, but it's like the winding down process, getting enough of it. Cause I get up early, go to bed, typically a little later after my daughter goes to sleep. And I read, uh, I'm sorry. I listened to two glasses of anything, mostly wine, um, for a woman reduces your sleep by 39%. Yes. I was like, so even if I got eight hours of sleep, which I never do, um, it's like you only slept like five. Yeah. So imagine exactly. if you're only sleeping five to six, right. it's really like four, three to four. Mm-hmm. So I found that like, wow, if, if alcohol wasn't enough of like, if anything else wasn't enough, that sleep component, because that is also something that, you know, women complain of weight loss or not having energy so that we caffeinate all day. So it's like got right. all of these back effects. Um, and so, yeah, I think the sleep component alone for me is enough to look at it really in a different way to be like, is it worth it? Cause I kind of need my sleep. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I think that too. Somebody, um, used to send me a mom that I know she would send me like her Fitbit stats on when she drank and when she didn't and her resting heart rate. And I mean, just the difference in, you know, her heart rate and her breath and everything when she was yes. sleeping without alcohol or with, and it's just shocking. Yeah. Because it's also, you know, a stimulant too. So right. it's a depressant, a stimulant, it's all the things. So yes. um, 
Yeah. I definitely think if we, I, I loved the analogy of you saying like, if someone handed you a bottle, I was like, Hey, do you want this like super stressed cocktail that where you're not going to sleep? It'd be like, no, thanks. <laughs> exactly. But because it's like pink and beautiful and it's mm. named like the rebellious woman. We're like, yes, we'll have one of those, please. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. Um, so before we kind of, you know, wrap up, cause I want people to know where to find you and stuff. Is there anything that comes to mind either, you know, one, two, three things that women who are interested in living this AF alcohol-free life, um, how they can get started. Cause it can feel probably overwhelming at first. And many I'm guessing are probably in your shoes in where it was like, it's not necessarily a clinical diagnosis problem, but it's where you recognize the difference. And it seems like something they would be interested in, you know, pursuing what, what are some good first steps? That's a great question. I think first of all, I would, you know, suggest that people do some reading and research because again, I think we are still really messed up and culturally in the way that we think about alcohol. And so you have to unlearn some of the things that you've been taught, because if you're just trying to go at this with all the messages that alcohol is super awesome, it's going to be really hard because you're going to feel like you're depriving yourself, you know, and that is really the worst way to try to do it. You know, like, and I had tried to do it that way several times where I was just like, okay, I'm going to do a cleanse and I'm not going to drink for seven days. And, you know, the whole seven days, I'm just moping around feeling like, death, you know, just waiting to drink, you know, just holding out the time. And so it's really about mindset, you know, like, and and I say, replace the word alcohol with anything. Like, is it really providing you with the promises that you're for the reasons that you're drinking? Do you really feel super relaxed for the whole rest of the night and all, and you get great sleep and you wake up feeling relaxed, you know, what is it that you're drinking? And I, and, you know, some of the times I just tell people, ask yourself, like, we're just so, you know, we walk into the restaurant or we walk into someone's house and someone just hands us a drink. Sometimes we don't even decide, do we want to drink? Yeah. Um, so really just asking yourself, like, is this what I want to do right now? What, why do I feel like I need to drink? You know, like you said, when you go to the party, why do I feel, could I just start with the water and then just see how the night goes? And, um, you know, sometimes I think people discover that they use drinking kind of to, um, as a, relief from whatever miserable situation they're in, you know, yeah. like if you go to go to a work party or like people, your in-laws or people that you don't like being around well, you drink through it to get through it. And so, yes. you know, then you have to ask yourself, do I really even like doing these things? And what do I need to change about my life to the, that I'm not just looking for alcohol to be the most enjoyable thing, what other things are great, you know, and yeah. trying to pour more into that. You know, I ate a ton of sugar. I let myself have, I mean, cake and candy and cookies, you know, so much dessert, um, because I did not want to feel deprived. And I think that's the difference between how I was able to make it stick this time versus how I, you know, the times that I've failed in the past, I wanted to feel good about this and love myself through it versus going at it like a diet, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to drink wine, you know, and that makes a really big difference. So those are my yeah. definite first strategies. And then just trying different things. It's really hard to, you know, if you're used to at five o'clock, you pour a drink and you sit down and you, you know, watch this, this particular show, maybe at five o'clock, you go for a walk and listen to a podcast, you know, just yeah. switch it up. I love all of that. And, and it's so important. Like you said, just switch the habits that we have and knowing that certain things are triggers. And then also, um, being easy on yourself, because I yes. think oftentimes, like you said, well, oh, well, 
even with dieting, with anything, I'm going to stop this for X amount of days. And we put this end date on it and we just, you know, we're like waiting for that eighth day, 10th day, whatever it is. And, um, and that's, you know, in same thing, diet culture and all of that, you're right. waiting for that eighth day to have the cheeseburger and the fries. And yes. it's like, wait a second, that whole seven days before that just went out the window. So, um, but yeah, being easy on yourself and taking it one day at a time and just saying yeah. like, how is this working for me? Like, am I really enjoying the way I'm feeling? And do I notice a difference? And I said, all beautiful, great advice. Yeah. Um, so I know that, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one more thing. You know, I, I have a friend who she was drinking pretty regularly, but, um, and so she, but she realized I, she loves the taste of champagne. So certain occasions she has a glass of champagne, you know? So I think because we think you're either sober 100% all the time for the rest of your life, or you're not, not everybody falls into these two different categories. And so again, just being open and loving yourself. And, you know, if you want to have a glass of champagne, fine. It doesn't mean that you've ruined your life and that you're not whatever, you know? Um, and that is the difference between maybe, you know, coming at this from non out, you know, I'm not alcoholic. So I could have, I guess if I wanted to, but at this point I don't. And I find that most people eventually don't even want it. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, it'd be a great money saver. That's the thing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like when I go out to dinner, it's like, Oh, well, even if you have two drinks these days out here in California, it's 40 bucks and your food's yeah. like 20. So it's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah. lunatic, but I know you have an incredible, obviously we can find your book. Most places where books are sold, if not, yes. you can order it. And it's a live AF for everyone yes. listening, but you also have a great community that you've built. So can you talk a little bit more about like, where can people find and connect with you? Okay. Yes. I'm on Instagram. I try to be consistent. there, kind of talking about everything that we've discussed today. And so that's, um, uh, SP alive AF, Samantha Perkins, alive AF. Um, and then I have, I do do, um, you know, virtual meetings and I teach some classes and, um, talk about this stuff. So if you go to my website, it's SP you can find events and things that I'm hosting and other stuff that comes up there. Awesome. And I, I know like a lot of women are going to probably want the support around it too. So it's nice to be in community with others. Um, because that's the first sign of relief is when someone says me too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next on the agenda for you? What are you working on right now? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. I, you know, right after I wrote the first book, I was like, I'm going to write another book right away. And I can't wait. I'm, I'm going after this, you know, full-time author thing, but then I really was so exhausted from it. And I'm still kind of like reeling from everything that's happened since I wrote the book, but I definitely want to write more. Um, I write in January before the world shut down in 2020, I hosted a wellness, a women's wellness retreat, um, that I wanted to be an annual thing. And of course, last year, COVID everything. So I'd really like to revive that, um, and kind of focus on another, um, kind of wellness retreat focused on self-care, not being wine and bubble baths. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, I plan to do that and just continue to try to support people who, you know, are in the space and provide education and just a different face for, um, sobriety really. Yes. I love that. And we could create a whole nother podcast on like what really self-care could look like. And that's amazing. I just did this survey and I asked, what is something you do to take care of yourself? And I would say, I would say maybe 85, 90% of the responses were relax with my friends, have wine, take a bath, 
go to a spa day, get a manicure. And I'm like, I feel like all of those sound like band-aids. So yeah, Yeah. what what are we doing to like really work on the inside? Like what kind of work are you doing? So, you know, that's why people like me and you, I think exist out there is to maybe help people reflect on, on truly how those things are great. Oh my God. I love myself a good manicure, but that's definitely not working on me, Caitlin, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I think it's just shedding light on that. Count me in for that wellness retreat girl. Sounds fun. I will Um, for sure. Before, um, we wrap up, I always like to do a beam life uh, beam babe lightning round. So it's just a series of 11 questions and you just answer whatever kind of comes to mind. Are you ready for that? Ready? Let's do it. All right. First question, a beam babe is, you know, after listening to your podcast, the thing that comes to my mind is just raw and real. You know, I'm, I find, I found that like most of the guests that you've hosted and the things that you talk about are so authentic. So yeah. that's what I would say. You just got to be ourselves. That's it. Yes. <laughs> Favorite song that always makes you dance. Okay. This is kind of a song that most people might not have heard of, but it's, um, Butch Walker and it's called, um, hot girl in a good mood. <laughs> it always puts me it in a really, yeah. It always puts me in a really good mood. <laughs> I love it. Currently reading. Oh, I'm reading a great book. It's called the vanishing half. Um, and it's just amazing. I'm halfway through it right now and I can't wait to finish it fiction or yeah, it's fiction. And it's, it's good because I don't always read a lot of fiction. And so, um, it's just nice to have stories be told to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. A beam babe that inspires you. Um, you know, after coming back from the, the show up summit, I would say, well, obviously you inspire me. Um, and you, you know, seeing you there, I, I was super inspired, but I'm also really inspired by JD Graham. I was like, listening to her speak and just seeing the confidence that she has and pouring love into people. I was, I'm really inspired by her right now. She is like a total gift to this world. It's so great. I love her. Last thing that made you feel grateful. You know, I, when I wake up in the mornings, I, I do journal. And the first thing I write in my journal is that I'm grateful for my coffee because I love drinking coffee in the morning. (laughs) So I'm going to say that. (laughs) I, coffee is my jam. Uh, yeah. when are you most inspired? Oh, definitely on my, when I go for a run, I feel like that's when I get most of my writing material and ideas. Yes. Oh my God. I just got back. I took like a two year break from running and I just started four weeks ago again. And it's, it, it's like a game changer. It's a yeah. game changer. Um, what always makes you laugh? Um, I, I love the show Gilmore girls. <laughs> such a cute one. Yeah. And when I'm like down, I'll just put it on because the character Lorelai, she just cracks me up. And I like to just watch something that is easy and funny and cute. And totally favorite meal or food. Um, I love all food, but, um, I'm going to say popcorn because I eat popcorn every single day of my life. And I have since I was like five. (laughs) Oh my God. I am a popcorn freak. That is so funny. Yes. My popcorn sister. I literally yes. have a bowl every night. Like it's my thing. I'm like, okay, I this is yes. um, if you could raid anyone's closet, who would it be? Oh my gosh. I'm going to say yours because you have, Oh such my a God, you're so style. nice. <laughs> I have like the most boring 
horrible style. So I need some fashion advice and I think you've got it. <laughs> I, I showed up today in like my sweatshirt and I'm like, whatever, it's our first day of like fall here. It's 58 oh, degrees. Oh yeah. That's awesome. I'm like I'm wearing a sweater. Yes. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Um, I like to watch TV alone in my house with no one bothering me, my own show at the volume that I wanted on <laughs> and pretend that like I've been doing other productive things when I was really just watching TV. <laughs> so good. And lastly, what makes you Samantha beam? Um, you know, I think having conversations with people like you and this kind of talk nothing inspires me or fires me up more. I always feel so super pumped up after conversations like this, because I just really love women talking about, you know, making things easier and better for, for other women. And so this really gets me going. Me too. And like being in community with everyone this past weekend was so great. And I just feel like, even though I'm exhausted, I came back uh, inspired and supercharged. So Thank you so much for being brave and writing this book and shedding more light on something that I think has been hidden for a long time from us. So I am very grateful. I'm also so grateful to just know you and be in community with you and have you as, um, you know, a leading beam babe in this, in this world. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I feel exactly the same. I'm so appreciative and I'm so glad to be here. All right, girl. Have a great day. You too. You are the best, Bean Babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another Bean Babe or post it on social and tag me at The Beam Life so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text. Yes, a real text to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always, and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.